0: out this song and i'll be there by your side
1: welcome back to tevading patiently the appreciation podcast that highlights dives deeper and celebrates the work and accomplishments of our tony winning national treasure aaron Tivate. my name's elizabeth and this week's episode is a quick shout out to the movie and role that was my introduction to aaron and will be celebrating its eleventh anniversary since hitting the big screen on Christmas Day in two thousand twelve. Le Miserables and Enjolras. Oh, Enjoras, He holds such a special place in my heart for being the first time that I ever saw and learned of Arantveit.
0: Now you play you play a character with with a name that I think people have probably mangling mm-hmm. when they look at their their playables on Broadway yeah. for for decades. Yeah. Uh, his name is, tell me how you say it. Anjolras. Anjol, I've never said it that way. <laughs> I've definitely never, I've said like Anjol, Anjolras. On, so say it again? Anjolras. Anjol. Anjolras. It's like that French un. thing, it's on. Like,
1: like it was for Paul, hearing Aaron pronounce Anjolras was an education because for a while I also was not pronouncing it correctly. And I was late to the party, watching the Les Miserables movie. I watched the Oscars every year, and that year, Les Mis was nominated for many Academy Awards. And I watched Les Mis the day of the Oscars. I remember Anne Hathaway's Fantine having a big impact on me with what she went through and her singing, and then it felt like... Act 2, when Look Down started again, but this time it was being led by Ongeras. I mean the wig, the jacket, the voice. Aaron as Ongeras knew how to make an entrance. When I first really started to go down the rabbit hole of Aaron Tveit content and learn more about his journey and his work, it blew my mind how much of a timing and fate thing getting cast in Les Mis was for him. Prior to getting cast, Aaron was performing on Broadway as Frank Abagnale Jr. in Catch Me If You Can. And Aaron has spoken before about how absolutely devastated he was when Catch Me If You Can closed. However, within a week of the show closing, Aaron was cast in both the Les Miserables movie and the pilot for Graceland. Like, How insane is that? While Catch Me If You Can, it deserved more recognition and it should have run longer on Broadway. If it had, we would not have Aaron's Onsha or Mikey Warren. Now, what kind of world would that be? Aaron's casting in Les Miserables is special for so many reasons. But when you look at the star-studded cast of Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, Helena Bowman-Carter, Amanda Seyfried, Eddie Redmayne, etc. They are all very big movie stars who are familiar with the film world. And then there's Aaron, a Broadway national treasure who really held significance for the Broadway community in representing them within the film. Aaron spoke about this representation with Paul Torak, and on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast.
0: I think it was striking for many people because it was like, okay, all these people... Makes sense and mm-hmm. like they're doing this a certain way yeah they're casting like amazing movie stars that have great voices yeah. and then who's this guy yeah <laughs> who's this guy yeah. what was really who's awesome guy? is that you were kind of i mean obviously a lot of stars in this movie a lot of big movie stars mm-hmm. a lot of west end theater actors yeah. In yeah. A, and you were sort of the broadway representative mm. which is awesome yeah i you know i I've, i felt that way when when i found out that everyone got cast i, I I felt that it was really special to, kind of be a New York theater actor and getting cast in this movie because you know it's such a huge part of the Broadway community and I really I felt honored to to be that way and I've had I've heard a lot of people say that to me and it's it's really meant a lot because I was trying to hold our our Broadway New York banner up with while I was holding the flag up you know.
1: Another point that I really want to highlight again about the significance of Aaron's casting is that he was the one who was ultimately tasked with proving to Universal Studios that the live singing needed to be a part of the movie. Tom Hooper made it very clear from the moment that Aaron was cast, that Aaron was his guy. When when Universal said that they wanted to cut the live singing, Tom Hooper said he would quit if they did that. And so the compromise was that Universal wanted to see it as a camera test, to see the live singing before they officially signed off on it and it was the abc cafe scene that sealed the deal
0: when we were in rehearsal for uh for the movie there was a moment where universal was going to pull the live singing oh wow yeah kind of at the you know we had a six week rehearsal they were starting they were starting, they they were were like, starting yeah. filming like now in march and i think they got cold feet yeah. and you know the incredible thing about tom i think he you know he'd been 18 months of pre-production at this point and he went to them and he said, "If you pull the live singing, I'm quitting this job." So the whole thing would fall apart. And uh, but what he what the compromise they made was is they wanted to see a camera test with the singing. And so he he pulled up the ABC. We shot the whole ABC cafe scene mm. basically, which was my number to sing. And um, we because he wanted to prove that it could work. And then I, I'll never forget. About a week later, they found out that it was fun- on a go and they were okay. We were at Pinewood Studios in London and Tom pulled me aside like on a little break and he said, you know, come with me for a minute. And we went to the, you know, they have like a full movie theater at Pinewood. Right. And he, we, Tom and I just sat and, you know, he played what we had shot with the live singing. And uh, he just turned, to, he just turned to me and said, thank you. Wow.
1: I remember watching an interview with Hugh Jackman and some other cast members and they shared how, with the live singing, they could change how they portrayed their emotions in each take and play around with it a little bit, and that gave them some freedom as actors to make those different choices. Yet, if the singing was not live, all of the music and all the songs would have been recorded well ahead of time, and the effect would just have been different because the emotions and the portrayals would have already been set and decided when it was time to film the scenes. It's just so special that Tom knew that Aaron was the one who would best represent the live singing and its value to the movie. At the New York City premiere of the movie, Aaron spoke about how being on Broadway and performing eight shows a week gave him kind of a leg up in terms of being prepared for the live singing and having to do it for multiple
0: takes. Let's talk about the live singing. Was it easier for you because you're from the musical theater world? I think I was a little, I think I was prepared in a sense that I knew how, you know, just to be able to do eight shows a week, you have to take care of yourself. So it was kind of the same thing. I kind of approached it in the same way I would getting ready for a new show. And so I just, I, I knew the vocal grind that was coming, you know? So I kind of tried to do all the work beforehand that I would do as if I was doing a stage play because I knew we were going to be singing these songs over and over again all day. So I think it definitely did give me give me you know some some information on how to do that.
1: At the beginning of the year, toward the end of January, Aaron was on the last show on Earth podcast with Alistair Brammer and John Owen Jones. Aaron and Alistair were both barricade boys and they reminisced about the bond that they had on set, their filming schedules. and Alistair joked about how grueling the schedule was for everyone but Aaron, since Aaron had an American contract and legally had to have 12 hours off from filming. So while the rest of the barricade boys were there on set super late and arrived on set early in the morning, Aaron would come in at 9 a.m. and then would still have to go through his makeup and wig prep to become Enjuras before filming could start. But speaking of the wig, that deserves some recognition all of its own. I know I'm not the only one who didn't realize until later that Aaron was, in fact, wearing a wig for this role. And I love when videos are shared that reveal that it was a wig and people just freak out because they had no idea. The Enjuras wig is an MVP for sure. And just a quick side note to tie the Enjuras wig into movie culture today. In the newest Hunger Game movie, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Tom Blythe, who plays Coriolanus Snow, he wears a wig when he's younger. And Rachel Ziegler, who plays Lucy Gray, his tribute, said that the wig reminded her of the Enjolras wig from Les Miserables. And that's just so fun that 11 years later, the wig is still referenced. The Les Miserables movie is just so iconic and so appreciated and we are all still holding out hope that one day they will release the full director's cut of the movie, which will be absolutely insane to see. So on that note, happy 11th anniversary to the Les Miserables movie and to Aaron's portrayal of Ondra Ross on the big screen. Thank you so much for listening today and for supporting this podcast. If you're looking for more fun Aaron content, please follow along on Instagram at tivating_ underscore patiently and on TikTok at TivatingPatiently patiently and hope to have you back here for episode 70.